I'm just going to keep opening this knife during the podcast. Good eye, listeners, and welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name's Henry. And my name is John. And together we're Henry and John, back again to tackle that zeitgeist. Back again to tackle that shackle. Yes, unlike John's idol, who says that the zeitgeist doesn't exist, we're here to acknowledge the zeitgeist does exist, and we're here to tackle it. I think we need to be very careful with our usage of the word idol. John's favorite person in the universe, T.J. Miller. Is that his name? Yeah. T.J. Miller, the comedian who's hot right now, he's in the Emoji movie, denies the zeitgeist exists, and I'm here to tell that T.J. Miller guy, hey, you're wrong. I'm getting sick of these no-zeitgeisters. I know, the anti-zeisters? Yeah, uh, see, as a... As a geister myself, I think that I think that this is damaging because there is evidence that the time ghost is real. Yeah, and we worship him by consuming the products that he inhabits. Yeah, we have to consume the the time ghost products, or we'll be out of time, like uh, like uh, like uh, Justin Timberlake. Yes. Oh, like in that movie, In Time. Yeah, he was just in time to be out of time. Yeah, he... Oh, my God. Was Did that character? movie end with him kiss-fighting an old man? I didn't see it because I heard it had a great premise but a poor execution. Ah. Just as life. <laughs> just as life. All right. Uh, so I mean, if ju- you think about it, like, life has a pretty sweet premise. What's the premise of life, John? The premise of life is that it's the opposite of non-existence. You know, in comparison, anything would be a good premise to non-existence. Though, isn't that, uh, doesn't that run counter to that thing that I think Heidegger said, that, like, if you tried to take uh, consciousness from nothingness and you offered it everything life has to offer, that it wouldn't take the deal? Because it's just too much to comprehend and it can't fully comprehend it? Because if you offered to someone, like, you know, you could have all the world's joys or all the world's pains... The pains start to sound pretty bad. Yeah, but you gotta counter that out with all of the joys. I mean, okay, so pretend that I'm a being in nothingness. Okay. And you're trying to coax me to life. Uh, What do you look like? What? I don't know what looking like means. Alright. Well, hey there, little creature in the nothingness. Uh, My name's John B. Lifey, and I've got a ton of life here to give you. Uh, does that sound like something you would be interested in hearing about? I don't know. Non-existence is kind of always the same. What does life have to offer me, a nothing creature? Well, Mr. Nothing Creature, life can offer you a variable amount of things because life keeps changing constantly. It's a never-ending stream of evolution and changes, some which might be bad, but others might be good. Uh, bad is something you don't want to happen, and good is something you want to happen. This is hard. I have to start from square one explaining everything to you. So d- is life just something that just keeps happening? Like, I can just sit and experience life? 
Uh, pretty much. Like, you could go to what's called a park, which is where life happens, and you can watch life all around you happening in the form of pigeons and old ladies, but eventually you're going to have to feed yourself because everything that's alive has to consume food or fuel to be able to keep living. So the only price that I have of life is that I have to keep putting things into my body to sustain my need for a body? Yes. However, certain people have put rules in place and you can't get things to put in your body without exchanging it for meaningless pieces of paper. So you're going to have to go to a job where you're going to be doing a task in order to get meaningless pieces of paper in order to be able to buy things to shove in your body. Wait, you mean to tell me that the one thing people need to keep putting in their bodies to keep enjoying life is monetized? Yes, the one the like the one thing that we all have to do that that's a basic fact of life, you have to feed yourself uh is monetized. So all the other living beings must be like horrible selfish monsters because who would put a price on the one thing you need to continue to live? How much is my life worth to these people? Well, here's the thing, you see, the people who who put the price on the food sources they're actually a very small percentage of everybody. There's actually a larger amount of people who just need the food, who keep their head down, provide for their own and themselves, and they don't rate, you know, they don't buck the system, while these people on top of the system just rake in tons and tons of this, you know, pay- valueless paper that allows them to live in complete and other luxury. So you're telling me that life is just a being oppressed by people who want to make you exchange paper for the things that you need to keep living? Why would I want to be alive? Well, you see, to counterbalance all of that, certain other powerful individuals have started creating things that make people feel good, like, uh, you know, media and movies, which are like fake stories that you can watch and experience featuring very attractive people that might make you feel or think certain ways. But if life is so full of an infinite variety of things, why couldn't I just get those things from life? Why would I have to watch other people pretend to feel those things? Well, you see, you can't get certain things. Like, you're not going to fall in love with a rock, but instead you might fall in love with Ryan Gosling, because damn, you know, who who hasn't? Wait, what's love? Oh, love is this thing that's completely free that can be described as chemicals in your brain making you feel a certain way. It's a good feeling. You feel great. You feel an intense attraction to another person or maybe some type of plant and you you do everything to try to get that feeling back from that person. Oh, so love's just this thing that's requited between everyone that everyone who loves can be loved by someone in return well you see love is a risk because not everyone will love everyone else there there are a lot of weird social things like uh there's there are leagues set up and you you can't really date out of your league unless you've got money or you're extremely funny so you mean in addition to having to pay for the thing to continue to live, I could potentially be trapped in a social class that makes it impossible for me to enjoy one of the best parts of life? Uh, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. However, you got to find the small joys within that that trapping to that makes life worth living. Like, you might find a dollar in the street that you, you, you can take for your own, 
or you might you might discover something you like like a uh, a good book and you you, you life keeps m- making it worth it cuz you got that book oh cuz i i got that dollar so i continue i can continue to exist for a few more hours and in that book i can read about things that aren't happening to me because i can't afford them exactly it's an escapism thing life is just trying to escape into better circumstances it sounds like all the good things about life are the escape from it well you see but you have to live in order to to be able to experience the escape oh or i could just not exist in in which case i wouldn't have to experience an escape yes but you wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't even know what an escape was, but now that I told you that there is an escape, you're kind of cursed, you know? You're always going to wonder, what if? Oh, shit. So now that I'm aware of what life is, I can't have anything but life. That's, that's what I would argue. I don't, think, I don't think a creature that doesn't exist, that has the knowledge of existence somehow, could make any other decision, because, I don't know. At least it's temporary, so you can try it out for a while and go back to not existing. So it's almost as if to say that the only way life seems like a good deal is if you pluck something out of non-existence anyway and then force life upon it because life is the only thing it can possibly imagine. Yeah, I mean, it's an impossible scenario. How do you talk to something that doesn't exist? Well, I guess I don't exist anymore. Oh, I'm sorry. And and it's probably a philosophical thing with hypotheticals and you're... You're supposed to just imagine what if, but I mean, if we're bringing logic to to a a, a, a non-existent creature, then we we at least gotta give it like a hat. Is that the sound that the creature makes? No, that's the sound of the wind blowing in nothingness to signify that the creature has ceased to exist. Oh, sorry, creature. We we love you. Don't worry, he never existed and never will. But wait, I talked to him, so he he must have existed. Don't right. worry, it was a philosophical exercise. He he existed in my memory. Yeah, he exists in your memory. Ah, is perception reality? Is that however much he existed then, he will exist forever? Well, yeah, according to the Traflagorians, uh, so it goes, you know? Yeah, the teleologists. Nah, the the aliens from Slaughterhouse Five. Slaughterhouse Five is a good book. Yeah, what are they called? Trophlagorians? Troglodytes? I forget. Yeah. Uh, Man, I should reread that book about experiences I can't have sometime soon. Yeah, you should because even if you could live have the same experiences, I mean, you couldn't phrase it the same way as Kurt Vonnegut. I don't think any as- aspect of life is as well-spoken as Kurt Vonnegut. I mean, he was extremely good at what he did, and what he did was phrase things extremely good. Look at Mother Night. Look at Breakfast of Champions. You know, Mother Night is, it might be my favorite Kurt Vonnegut book. Yeah. It's just full of a million really clever turns of phrase. Well, that's that's good. You're right. It is good. <laughs> I, I thought didn't I had... think about it that way. <laughs> I thought I had more to add, but it turned out that uh, my thoughts of Kurt Vonnegut are just thumbs up. It's just a it's just a double fisted thumb. Yeah, it's and a like... double thumbed fist. It, it's you know the inevitable evolution of Facebook from one thumb to two. 
Would a double-fisted thumb be a thumb with a fist on either end? And in, yes, that's exactly what it is. I want that as a sculpture. Yeah, it, you can call it Thumb War. Ah, one, two, three, four. I declare A. Fill in the blank. Uh, so, John. Uh-huh. What are we doing? Oh, boy. Are you asking that from a philosophical perspective or a normal perspective? I'm asking that from the perspective of what are we doing currently in our podcast at this moment? Oh, what I think we're doing currently in our podcast is... Stalling for time? Yeah, pretty much. We shouldn't stall for time. Let's launch into some of the content that we brought this week. Nice. My content should probably be saved for later unless we want to get into it right now. I mean, I've got a very important topic, John, that that it's just completely and utterly serious. Hold on. It's very important? It's very important. This is one of the most dire announcements that's been made in our time. Is it capital V, capital I very important, or just capital V very important? You know the, the secret capitalization that we don't tell others about because it's so important? Where every other letter is capitalized? Exactly, where every other letter is capitalized. Mmm. It's Isn't that, that important? important? Oh, it's, shit. It, and I think you would agree with me, John. I think you would agree. Well, there's only one way to find out. How, how do we do that? Lay it on me. John, it's a dark time in America. There's a lot going on. A lot of bad, some good, but mostly the winds of change are stirring into a tornado of evolution. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's with a heavy heart that I have to bring this news to you, which is kind of weird because you actually made me aware of it earlier today. Oh, well, uh, I I suppose it won't come as a surprise. It it shouldn't, John. Coca-Cola has decided to change, to discontinue the product known as Coke Zero. And they're bringing it, they're rebranding it, they're reimagining it as Coke Zero Sugar. Wait, hold on. Yes, John. Can Can you rephrase that in a more succinct way? Because I don't think that I could handle it. With how you said it. Coke Zero is gone. Ah! Yeah. Yes. Sorry, I I fell from my chair and began uncontrollably gnashing my teeth. Yeah, they're getting rid of one of their time-honored products that has spanned at least eight years, I want to say. They're... Okay, Full disclosure, I did make you aware of this. You did make me aware of this. It still seems like a joke. And and I actually have an article here from Business Insider, which, I don't know, I've never read Business Insider, but it's confirming it, and the the redesign for the bottle is just, like, awful. It looks like like, uh, upside-down socks. Ugh. Yeah, if if you can imagine, you know, like a normal bottle, but the top of the bottle is all black, and the bottom of the bottle is all red. I don't like it. I don't yeah. like it. I liked I liked Coke Zero's black aesthetic. Yeah, I liked it too. It was a good inverse of the normal Coke aesthetic. Aesthetic? Aesthetic? Aste- How do you say that word? Oh, aesthetician. <laughs> aesthetic? Aesthetic, yeah. 
All right, it was a good inverse of the normal Coke aesthetic, and uh, it was kind of pleasing to the eye, and it made the product stand out. Now the product just looks like a different form of, you know, the original Coke product. I want to make something very clear. How do you make this clear? If you're a Diet Coke drinker, I'll fuck with you. Okay. I don't understand people who drink Diet Coke because Coke Zero just tastes better. I agree. I think Diet Coke was like, I don't know, the first version of Coke Zero, but Coke Zero is definitely better tasting. Coke Zero just tastes... It's just good. What are they going to do? It was just good. I th- I honestly think that there there was a product for a time, if you remember going to the movie and seeing a Coke commercial, where they had four bottles, you know, the red bottle for Coke, a silver bottle for Diet Coke... A, a black bottle for Coke Zero, and then there was a green bottle. Do you remember that? I think I I kind of remember green Coke. I, I think it was called, like, Coke Life or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I, I honestly think that, that that's the product that they're now changing to Coke Zero sugar. I, I think that, um... I think that Coke Life was stevia sweetened. That might be. It might be that it was... A different sweetener or something. Oh, I remember what it was. Okay, so Coke Life, let me tell you. All right. Coke Life was a low-calorie Coke, not a zero-calorie Coke, because it had some sugar and some stevia in it. Oh, that's interesting. Why would you go from... I I guess you just want to cut down, but you don't want to eliminate your sugar altogether? Yeah, it's a real Dr. Pepper 10 situation. Oh, yeah, Dr. Pepper 10 was a thing, and... Oh my gosh, that, that that marketing campaign was like the worst marketing campaign you could probably have chosen. Why? It's clearly not for women. I don't get that. What what about the taste of Dr. Pepper or the fact that there's 10 calories eliminates it being a product for women? I really, I really like the idea that whatever marketing director they had at the time was like, you know what we should do? Alienate 50% of the human race. Yeah, it's you know we've got, we've got a hundred percent potential customers. Let's get rid of half of them for no reason. Doctor Pepper Ten, do you drink water? Fuck you. Yeah, it's like what what you're drinking water? What are you a girl? No, you you're a man because you're drinking a product with ten calories in it. Doctor Pepper Ten, do you have brown eyes? If you do, fuck off. What what if what if it was actually an altruistic move where? Like, Dr. Pepper 10 had some, like, really horrible side effects, but only for women. So the marketing campaign was just trying to warn them not to drink it. Oh, that's just like how Axe causes your your uterus to fall out, which is why they have such awful male-centric marketing. Yeah, it, it turns out all products marketed to males is just trying to get, you know, women to to not do it because uh it's gonna harm them somehow what if we lived in a universe where dr pepper 10 or some similar bullshit product had a a a marketing scheme that was like dr pepper 10 please if you're a woman do not drink this and then the news was like dr pepper 10's amazing new ad campaign uh it would be that would be a weird world to live in but Dr. Like, wh- Pepper 10, this will kill you if you're a woman. Women flock to stores to purchase Dr. Pepper 10. <laughs> oh, God. But were they going to, like, pivot back at some point and try to, like, scoop up the women that they left behind? 
Oh, that's with Dr. Pepper 15. <laughs> it's five better than ten, so it's five better than males. Dr. Pepper 15, kill all men. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right, so this article from Business Insider, that, that is the announcement of Coke Zero Sugar, uh, it says, on Wednesday, Coca-Cola announced plans to stop selling Coke Zero in the U.S. in August, replacing it with a beverage with a different recipe, design, and name, Coke Zero Sugar. So if you want to stockpile on Coke Zero, you have until sometime in August. I, I hate this because it's a clumsy name. Yeah, I'm not going to be standing around at my favorite counter service burrito place. I'm going to say, hey, do you guys have uh, do you guys have uh, Coke Zero Sugar in the machine? I I think they're hoping people just call it Coke Zero, which is why they tacked on the sugar, even though it's not Coke Zero because it's a different thing entirely. Hey, if you're just going to call it Coke Zero, just reformulate Coke Zero and pray no one notices. Yeah, I, I, I probably won't have noticed. I, I probably would have noticed, but maybe not at first, because the only time I really drink Coke is when I'm making a, a Cuba Libre. That'll do it. Which is, for those of you at home who don't speak uh, Cuban, is a rum and Coke. Oh, is that what it stands for? <laughs> yes. Nice. That, C- Cuba Libre is Cuban for rum and Coke. Okay, that that makes a lot of sense. But fuck this. I know. Well, why are they taking, why are they meddling with a good product? I want to give it a shot, and it might be tastier than Coke Zero. It might be better. I don't know, but I, I hate I hate everything about this. I'm not a huge consumerist monster. I care about very few things, but, like, the one diet soft drink I like is Coke Zero. Yeah, I, I mean, on the taste, uh, Coca-Cola has this to say. Uh, Coke Zero sugar is closer to the taste of the standard Coca-Cola but with zero sugar and zero calories, the drink is designed for customers who are seeking lower sugar options. But Coke Zero just tasted like Coke. It did. Well, to a certain extent, it didn't have quite as hard of a bite in it. Mm-hmm. But I, I get. I think that bite is like your body trying to say that this is bad for you. You shouldn't drink it. Yeah, that bite is adrenaline being released in your brain saying, I just consumed a mouthful of sugar. Yeah, the, yeah. Apparently, Coke Zero Sugar is already a major hit outside the U.S., with growth figures reaching the teens. Uh, In the U.S., Coke Zero sales grew 3.5% in 2016, compared with Diet Coke's drop of 1.9% in the same time period. So drop Diet Coke, then! Yeah, drop uh, Diet Coke's a monstrosity. It's dropping at a rate of 1.9%. I mean, obviously... The product has failed. Also, I would like to make it very clear that, of course, this is happening outside of the U.S. Because in the U.S., we have laws to keep the growth figures from reaching teens. Oh, really? Is that, is that a true thing? Yeah, we've got a, a series of laws to protect teens from this kind of thing. Oh, wait, not teens. I, I, I think when it said teens, it meant like, you know, teen percent. Look, I just think that if European countries aren't willing to nut up and stop growth fingers from reaching teens, then bedlam. I, I, I mean, so you you want your you want Europe to not 
allow like this information to reach teenagers? No, I just don't want them to allow those figures to interact with our teens. The numbers? The the numbers? I don't want them to allow these number-crunching fingers near my teens. Wait, did I say fingers? No. (laughs) What? But I read between the lines, Henry. Oh, okay. Alright. And I am sick of Coke getting its numerical fingers all over my teens. Why do you own teens? I don't own teens. We all do. It takes a village to raise a teen. Oh, I, I, it takes a village to ignore a teen so they end up in the system. Wait, are they reaching teens or high teens? Just teens. Okay, because high teens don't know what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. I can't believe they're doing this in August of all months. I mean, like, it's my birth month, John. It's, hey, best birthday present of all, the thing you love, there's not less of it, it just no longer exists. And it's replaced by somebody who's like, I'm the same thing, but I'm different, I'm cooler. You know, you're not my real coke. If the sushi place across the street from my work stops serving Coke Zero, I will know that my time in this country is at an end. You know, of all the reasons to move to Canada, I think this is the strongest one. Oh shit, is it Coke Zero Sugar in Canada? Oh, is our no last idea. bastion of Coke Zero Canada? I have no idea. I just, you know, if you want to move to Canada, I mean, this is as good as any other reason. But if I go across the Canadian border, and I go into a, a Timmy Hortorts, and I see that they have Coke Zero Sugar on draft, I'm running for the hills. Actually, in Canada, it's called Coke Zero Maple. Oh, well, that sounds all right. Yeah, it's the refreshing taste of Coke with all the th- the thick viscosity of maple syrup. We replaced all the sugar in your traditional Coke with maple syrup. Yeah, it doesn't taste good on pancakes, but uh, it's it's decent on a waffle. And it uh, it comes from trees, so no calories. Exactly. Nothing from a tree costs calories. Yeah, only man-made things have calories. Yeah, that's what the Oriz stands for. Yeah, it is Cal of Man. Cal of Man, and of course Cal means energy product. Yeah, energy of man product. (laughs) Energy of man product. You know, we're all learning something here today. I just can't, but look, they've done this before with the new Coke, old Coke kind of thing. So like, maybe this is just, they're, they're introducing Coke Zero Sugar so that everybody hates it so that they can reintroduce Coke Zero Classic. I mean, the, I'm gonna hate it. I, I switched, turned around. Remember when I said, if it tastes good, I'll like it? Nope. As long as it tastes alright in a rum and coke, I will be okay-ish with it. You know, uh, they better pray on God that they don't touch Barks. I don't think they own Barks. Who owns Barks? I think Barks owns Barks. Yeah, because they refuse to sell out. Yeah, I think Barks is like a Dr. Pepper. Don't quote me on that. I'm looking it up because we got a fact check on this show. If anyone's going to take us seriously. So you're from the Bayou. What do you think about Barks? Barks is the best root beer ever made. Barks is amazing. I would say that a beta root beer is like the second best, though. I have never been a fan of a beta root beer. Really? Really? What's wrong with it? A beta, for those who don't know, is a a small-ish... 
kind of medium-sized brewery from Abita Springs, Louisiana. Yeah, and uh, they make a lot of alcoholic beverages, but they also make a non-alcoholic root beer that's called Abita Root Beer. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just, it's too sweet or something. It's it's just, or it's too smooth. I don't know. Like, the bite in Barks, because that's that was their their slogan for a long time, Barks has bite. Mm-hmm. Is just I, I don't know. It's refreshing to me somehow. I think now. Uh, also, don't quote me on this because I might be totally wrong, but I think I was reading that Barks gets its bite because they use granulated caffeine instead of a liquid. Maybe I don't that know. That might. I don't know anything about the actual making of the product, but if in case you're curious, uh, the the Barks company is still owned by the Bark family, but it's bottled by the Coca Cola company. Oh, okay. So it's still like its own individual thing, but it probably shows up where Coke products show up. Yeah, man, Barks is great. Yeah, uh, for for a while they had a okay. So yeah, of course there's Barks, there's Red Cream Soda, which is like if you ever want to taste what too much sugar and red dye tastes like, mm-hmm. you can drink that. Uh, but for a while, for like one summer, there was a drink called Barks Floats. It was the premise was like a root beer float in a bottle. Mm-hmm. It was really good. That that does sound very good. Yeah, it's uh, re- it was really good, but it's been discontinued. It no longer exists. Fuck. Yeah, you know, I, uh, like we have these very strong memories to like certain food combinations, and for some reason, and I can't eat it anymore, which makes me very sad. But, like, the strongest positive sense memory that I have is, like, pepperoni pizza and Barks. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I I have tons of memories of, like, Barks and, like, a grilled uh, cheeseburger. Yeah, that'd do it. Like, like at a barbecue, it's like, you know, you have a, a can of Barks right next to, like, a fresh-off-the-grilled cheeseburger. Yeah, when I was uh, when I was a teenager, and subsequently a fatty, fatty boomba laddie, I um, I consumed probably hundreds, if not thousands, of glasses of Barks along with pizza. Yeah, yeah, I, it was my go-to drink at every like restaurant before I started drinking exclusively water with my with my meals, um, and apparently, if you mix. Kraken rum with Dr. Pepper, it tastes exactly like Barks. Weird. Uh, I would probably just mix Kraken rum with Barks and see what happened there, but it'll probably be too sweet. What if it's just Dr. Pepper? It just turns into Dr. Pepper. <laughs> that would be funny, and and then it would probably still be good. What if you taste it like, holy shit, this is Coke Zero? <laughs> well then I, I would share it with you and uh we would have our own our own formula. I um I was actually looking it up on my phone as we were speaking. The bite from Barks apparently comes from three things. Teeth. Yes, they grind human teeth into Barks. I always thought so. And they also grind the barks of dogs. Oh, okay. They have barks, they have dogs bark into huge macerating machines that then reduce the barks to a powder. Well, I mean, it is called barks for a reason. 
Uh, no, but it comes from caffeine because there's more caffeine in it than most root beers. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, it comes from anise, which is like a licorice-y kind of uh, spice. Okay. And then it comes from wintergreen oil. Wintergreen oil? Is that the, the oil from wintergreen gum? I think it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> Probably like a, like a wintergreen, like, tree. I don't know what the fuck a wintergreen is. I don't know either. I mean, it's, it's safe to say that you probably shouldn't drink it. <laughs> well, you shouldn't drink Barks? Probably. Absolutely not. Yeah, but it was good, and, you know, when you're growing up, your body actually craves sugar to a point, so maybe it was okay, but now it's, it's you know, water water does the same thing. Let me ask you a question. What's up, John? Do you like Diet Barks? I know. I do. I never like Diet Barks. Diet Barks tastes like chewing an aspirin. Yeah, Diet Barks is probably like they just put like I don't know a ginger root in a can. Yeah, I don't. I don't like it. Diet A and W is okay. I've never really liked Diet Root Beer. Diet Mug is disgusting. Oh, Diet Mug is the grossest shit. I, I don't even know what they did to it, but it, or like why they sell it. But it's just oh. You know what a very interesting experience is. What's a very interesting experience, John? Drinking a mug of hot, flat diet root beer. Oh, that sounds disgusting. It's like an awful herbal tea that's supposed to fix your joint problems. <laughs> you said that, and I could just imagine, like, I don't know, it, it, it sounds it's like it would feel sticky. I mean, it it did. Yeah. Man, I used to drink so many soft drinks, it was... It was pretty much out of control. I've really... I, I'm a big... I was a big water guy. Yeah. And I guess since, like, I've developed this habit of quitting on things in my life... Um, you, you quit water? I mean, I still really like water and I like to drink it. But since we have a small Brita filter and it's it's tough... I just kind of drink a lot of tap water with, like, either... Like pieces of fruit or like Mio or just something to flavor it to take the tap water taste away. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, I can understand that because when I was growing up, uh, for some reason, I the, the water disgusts me. Like the taste of warm water, I, I couldn't handle it. It made me sick. Yeah, especially from a tap. I remember before I started drinking water seriously, water was like the most disgusting thing I could imagine drinking. Yeah, I, I don't know why that was, but, like, if it was cold, it was fine, but it had to be, like, ice cold, like, to the point where you're not, all, all you really taste is how cold it is. I should really drink more water. Yeah, I go through about three thermoses of water a day, at least at work, and then I drink more when I get home. Yeah, I, dr I drink a lot of water at work. Ah, fuck, I take that back. I shouldn't drink more water. I drink, like, two liters of water at work. Is that because you just want something to do? Yeah. I just swish it around in my mouth and dab. <laughs> when I when I first started working at the job I have now, I drank so much water as an excuse to leave my desk. But nice. now I realized I, did, I never needed an excuse. Yeah, I just, uh, I just go to the bathroom. And do cocaine? No, I just sit in there. Oh, okay. I, actually, I, I've run into that a few times at the place I work. 
you've run into doing that yourself or you're like, hey, get out of the bathroom. They're like, no. No, no. People people who are just in, in a stall just sitting there. I mean, if it's like a my situation, the bathroom just has one toilet in it. Oh no! If I, if I, I was a... in a place where there is the potential where I could have some kind of auditory collateral happen, I would immediately leave. I would hate being in public restrooms. Yeah, I, I hate that too, but, you know, I have no choice. I actually have a story about public restrooms if we've got time. Oh, well, of course we've got time. Uh, well, this, just... is, this is not my content, to be clear. Well, we can just wrap up our discussion of Coke Zero and say, you know, hey, Coca-Cola company... You're doing a bad thing and you should feel bad. Yeah, and it better be fucking good and even if it is, I'll still be mad. And and the only way this is going to be alright is if you give us free samples in the form of uh, 12 packs. Yeah, a lot of them. A lot of them, you're right, a lot of them. I want so many that I never have to drink disgusting water again. I want so many that I have to boil it to cook with because i don't want to use water i want so much that i fill my bathtub with it instead of water because to me it's cheaper yes that's i want that as well i want enough coke zero to dissolve a body (laughs) isn't that like two cans you're right (laughs) anyway now we can move on to our to your to your uh your public restroom story I have a few, uh, the, but the one I want to share, uh, not safe for work, you guys. There's bad language. Not safe for work. It's a segment where John talks about things we're not safe for work. I actually have, have, two, have two bathroom stories. The first one's real quick. I was at a, a local uh, bar with a kind of insufferable bar crowd, and I went to go pee, and... Uh, oh, wait, no. Okay, I went to go pee, and the guy was like trying to get to the bathroom and we like almost collided okay and we was like oh no we're both kind of drunk but this is we can both go pee and we went to go pee and there were three urinals and he used the one next to me for some reason uh why does that always happen and he was like hey sorry man guess we just uh guess we just both uh couldn't wait couldn't wait for this to happen and i was like oh my god <laughs> why are you talking to me do not speak were you raised in a barn probably and if you were at a urinal the only sound you better be making is silent prayer (laughs) that the person next to you doesn't speak yeah no if if you speak at a urinal people should be allowed to send you to prison or or if you speak at a, a urinal the other person has to be on fire yes that is acceptable and the only acceptable sentence is Hey, you're on fire. Or if the on fire person is speaking, they can say, hey, nice peen. <laughs> God. <laughs> but only then, only then is it acceptable to even glance at another person. Yeah, it's it's rare, I'll grant you. Anyway, the bathroom story I want to talk about is one of, uh, one of duality. Oh, it's two things. One of, uh, one of, of dissonance between... Uh, what we see, what we perceive to be reality, and what the true reality is. All right, that that's kind of right up this podcast alley. So I was at another uh, popular bar with a slightly less shitty bar crowd. All right, and I was playing bar trivia. Okay, 
and I get kind of drunk, so I decide to stay after bar trivia because a good number of my friends work there and they can take care of me because I'm a baby. Man, that that friends who work at a bar privilege. Oh yeah, I yeah, it's it's pretty sweet. Yeah, but uh, I was just kind of hanging out, and there was this older gentleman with another older gentleman and three older women, all in the bathroom. No, no, no. These were all like on on couches. Oh, okay. This bar has couches, by the way. Privilege. No, oh, man, that that bar that has couches, privilege. And uh, so I was I was sitting, and they seemed to be having a blast. Oh, that's great. I'm glad they enjoyed themselves. Like, they were just having a lot of fun and joking, as, as older people do in a way that I can't possibly understand. Like they're laughing silently to themselves? No, like they were laughing a lot and being like, Oh, Richard. You know, Richard. Oh, yeah, Richard. He's such a card. Fucking Richard. Uh, that but, card. But they were just having a, a grand old time, and I was happy, and I was... I was sobering up, and I'm like, oh no, now is the time where I have to go pee. Yeah. And I went and I did that, and uh, the the bathroom situation, it's very important to understand two things. Alright. One, the bathroom has a urinal and then a stall that are right next to each other. Okay. And that's fine, no judgment. And then the second thing is that I always take note of the shoes people are wearing, and I'm very good at identifying people by their shoes. Why would you do that? Why? I, I, I don't know. For some reason, with people, I like to pick up on shoes and cars so that I can... I don't know. If I don't see them, I need to know it's that person. It's a very uh, particular quirk of mine. I mean, the cars is reasonable, but the shoes thing, you don't... That's just asking to, like, identify somebody by something disgusting. But, so I, uh, I, I knew their shoes. Yeah. And as I was, as I was performing the deed of urination in the stall, because if there's a urinal and a stall available, you go for the stall. Yeah, 100% of the time. And I, I was doing my business, and I looked, I heard the door open and close, and I was like, oh no, I'm sharing a public restroom with another human being. This is the worst experience in the the human life okay and he he was peeing into a urinal as i assume you were want to do yeah and he was peeing and i was peeing and it was a moment and then he shuffled his feet anxiously now i'm watching his feet from below the stall because i just sense that something's happening What's happening? No. And then he stops peeing, he stands perfectly still, and then he farts, and then he says, like, full volume, but like he's whispering, he just says, fucking bitch. What? He washes his hands, and he leaves. What the fuck? I have no idea. He was having a great time outside. Maybe that wasn't aimed at you? No, I really don't think it was aimed at me because I do not think he knew I was in there. That's the weirdest thing. I think it was directed at someone he was sharing his evening with, which made no sense to me because they were having such a good time. That's weird. That's like a weird glimpse into his private, like, mind of being. Also, uh, full disclosure, uh, by the time that... 
by the time all of this had occurred, really by the time he came in, I had finished peeing, but I didn't want to walk by a human being who knew that I had just peed. <laughs> oh, God. Listen, I'm I'm not proud, so I was just kind of standing silently in the stall watching his feet. Anyway. Oh, John, that's the time when you just run, you run out. It's like, oh, you're done, you know, well, just wash your hands, but we're, we're, it's, th- it's through time. The, the problem, though, is that the... The urinal has one of those bullshit little dividers on it that's, like, 8 inches, like, deep and then, like, 24 inches tall. Yeah. And it is right next to the sink. Oh, okay. So it's very hard to look at washing your hands without looking at someone peeing. And and you're one of the tallest people on the planet, so you have no help. You have a perfect vantage point. It's it's tough. An imperfect vantage point, you might say, depending on your intentions. Well, what I meant was perfect. that guy's deal? I don't... That, that's really cool and weird. Cool as in, like, I don't know, he, like the curtain peeled back and he, he had a, a moment of weird honesty and then had to go right back to, to putting on the facade... Because I, I could tell, kind of from his body language, he was like, I, I just gotta get this out before I go back, fucking bitch. <laughs> I don't know, maybe it was like he was out with, like, his boss or something, and was like, oh yeah, we're having a great time, and, and like, in private, he's like, god damn it, I'm still here. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, it, I still think about it, this was maybe a year ago. Wow. It, made it haunts quite the- my memory. <laughs> it made quite the impression on you. It it really did. I wanna uh, I wanna give someone that moment though. I wanna be that person for someone. Where you just peer, peel the veneer back and show like a, a true moment of yourself. I want to it impact their life in no meaningful way at all, but I want them to remember something that I did or said that is seemingly somewhat innocuous. Yeah. And I feel like I've done that for some people, but they're my friends and they don't count because they're honor-bound to remember the things you've said. Well, I mean, I think your friends can impact you on a, on a level that they don't intend when they say something, so... Yeah, I think maybe you could have you could have already done that and you just don't know it yet. But I'm not going to lie, I have thought about going to that bar or a similar bar waiting for there to be that exact same situation and then i pee i shuffle my feet and i say some really awful shit and then leave so i'm wondering if the exact same situation happened to this guy and he's passing the curse along it's a perpetual cycle of weird innocuous statements yeah it's it's just this specific like uh conflation of events bores deep inside your mind and you can't help but think about it until you get it out yeah i you know maybe i would be too nervous about my phrase whatever phrase i said i would say like is this really gonna have the impact that i want it to have yeah because i mean god his did but i can't just steal his what's a good thing that i could say to just like really rattle someone who's post p um, I don't know. I mean, it's got to be something that, that sounds like a secret or an admission or something like that. Or maybe you could make yours like a confession, like a weird urinal confession. 
Yeah, but I mean, it's got to be short, but it can't be... Because I was thinking, go literary with it, go Shirley Jackson, and just say, like, and then they were upon her, and then you just leave. Something like that, or like, and that's all she wrote, but that one's too contrived. That one, I feel like I would actually want to say that after I pee. <laughs> and that's all she wrote. Uh, you could see, what if you got, like, really weirdly existential with it, and, like, you know, you finish, and it's just like, I'm a fraud. <laughs> oh, that'd be really good. And you just wa- wash your hands and get out. <laughs> just, I'm a fraud. That would be extremely good. Yeah, something like that. Or, like, you have the weird, like, self-realization or something like that. That'd be great. Like, you finish peeing, and then you just sigh and go, Everybody knows. <laughs> Everyone knows. They can tell. But what if, what if hypothetically, this exact same thing happens? I was watching my feet through a bathroom stall, and then I, I'm peeing. I'm just like, and then I finish peeing, and then I stand there and I say, "The Assyrian came like a wolf on the fold, and his cohorts were gleaming in purple and gold, and the sheen of their spears was like stars on the sea when the blue waves roll nightly on deep Galilee." Uh, that would be really, really upsetting, and they would think something is wrong with you, not in the way that you you intend. And then I slowly pivot so that I'm looking at the wall of the stall, but they, <laughs> no. they can't see my face. I say, for the angel of death spread his wings on the blast and breathed in the face of the foe as he passed, and the eyes of the sleepers waxed deadly and chill, and their heart but once heaved and forever grew still. Jesus Christ, it sounds like you're doing like a Pulp Fiction Bible verse and you're about to kill that guy. Just a silencer right through the stall wall. Pew, pew, two pew. in the dome. Pew, pew. Yeah, it's the sound of a silence gun, is pew. What if you finished peeing and you said, pew, pew, two in the dome? <laughs> Boy, we talked about this oh. pee stuff for way too long. Probably. Was that, was that all that, was that poem by, by memory? Uh, part of it was. <laughs> what do you mean, part of it was? Because I, the I read the first stanza. I couldn't remember the second stanza. And I remembered the third stanza. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, Lord think... Byron's destruction of the Senate Cherub. It's really good. Okay, I think mine would be, you know, finish peeing. One if by land and two if by sea, and I on opposite shore shall be. And <laughs> then that's it. That's a, that's pretty good. That's pretty cryptic. <laughs> I still like I'm a fraud the best. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I really like that one because it speaks to everyone. Yeah, man, we talked about. You're right. We talked about bathrooms a long time. <laughs> yeah, that shit was like thirty minutes. Oh my gosh, uh, it's weird though because I've never talked about my bathroom habits with another person, and just listening to you talk about yours, it. it reassured me that i'm not the only one who does like you know stall first no one else be in there please you know stuff like that yeah i mean i think that there is a universal set of rules that people follow in the bathroom that no one really talks about like if you go in a bathroom and okay if it's not busy if the building isn't extremely busy you go in the handicap stall yeah no that's not me because uh, I'm always the one who who thinks there's going to be a handicapped person on the other side when I open it. I uh, I have a story about that. 
Can we save it for a different time? We absolutely can. I can't. I can't stand to talk about it anymore. And in fact, it's more sad than the other two. So let's not talk about it. All right. So we can pivot on to another topic entirely. Yes. Uh oh my gosh. Uh so I've got some content. I was about to say. I know you've got you've got something. I know you prepared something. So uh, I hope I hope it can follow the. The uh, what are the what do we call the the capital G capital C we've got going on right now? Yeah, GC. Now you know that uh, we're recording this a day late because we were using last night as kind of a, a kind of a by night to consume some meaningful uh, content to talk about on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, I remember that you messaged me saying that you just weren't in the right mind space for it and you you needed time to to collect your thoughts in order to do the podcast tonight. Yeah, and I uh, I watched the first 3 episodes of Last Chance You. Last Chance You? You as in university? Yeah, it's a Netflix docu series about East Mississippi Community College. That's interesting. It's about uh, how they taken a whole bunch of uh, disgraced college football players turn them around into meaningful players and then they go to you know dallas cowboys um you know saints uh oh, oh yeah. they grad they graduate on and, and go to the nfl yeah they graduate go to the nfl or they go to other like ncaa teams okay and uh yeah it's uh it's interesting i have not watched enough of it to really talk about it so we can talk about another thing <laughs> okay Another thing that I watched. What did you watch? Oh, God. Do you want to do that segment? Yes. Oh, it's time again, everyone, for what did you... You... What? Why? Watch. Wait. Shit. We were, do- we were doing alternating, John. We were alternating it. Okay, we can try it again. All right. What? You... I feel like I fucked that up again. We can try again. <laughs> All right. Well, one last time. Okay. What did you watch? What did you watch? What did you watch? Anyway, what I watched was a movie called Raw. A movie called Raw? Is this about the wrestling organization? Uh, not at all. Oh, okay. It's a French movie by Julia de Corno. De Corno. I can't pronounce it because it's French. Uh, Julia de Corna? Sure. Actually, I think she's maybe Belgian. I don't know. Oh, but they it, speak Fran- French and Belgian. But it is a French movie about uh, college. Oh, college. All right. So, a uh, very quick synopsis. It's hard to read anything about this movie without this being spoiled. So, well, I guess I'll just uh, tell you. Just Even do the though best the turn you... happens relatively late in the movie. Just do the best you can, John. And I think it, it uh, sells itself as this in the, in the trailers anyway. So okay. essentially what Raw is, is it's about a first-year veterinary student named Justine. That's it. Oh, okay. So it's, it's just a, a French veterinary student named Justine who is in school. So uh, she goes to a veterinary school in France that is, I don't know if vet schools in France are actually this way, but it's full of uh, parties and hazing and strange uh, rituals. They're almost absolutely not anything like this. The movie takes place in this really absurd universe where these prestigious schools just teach people how to be veterinarians and they do things like 
you know, dump blood on people before they take pictures of them and they they haze them by throwing everything in their rooms out of the window and forcing them to sleep in a huge pile of mattresses. So this is a universe where French veterinary school is just a fraternity. Yeah, it's it's very uh, fraternity-y. Okay, and, that's that's interesting. And Justine is a vegetarian at the start of the movie. And by the end of the movie, she's eating human flesh. Exactly. Is that true? Yes. What? So she is a she is a vegetarian, and slowly there are social pressures for her to uh, kind of do more and more transgressive behavior. And the transgressive behavior to her character, the the borderline from which she can't return, is eating meat, and she is made to eat a raw rabbit's liver. Oh, that's why it's called raw. And she gets a, a taste for meat that, that grows over time, and eventually it is a taste for human flesh. Because human flesh is, of course, the ultimate form of meat. And the movie makes a very... Uh, well, to me, uh, and everyone in the room I watch it with, it's a pretty clear uh, kind of analysis or, or parallel to every other college movie, which shows this transgressive kind of... Uh, perversive permissive behavior in a really positive light yeah where it's like you know the thing about college is it makes you sacrifice on your morals and if the uh the morals that she's sacrificing are her ones to eat meat then her excess is to eat humans yeah of course it's like eating meat is already taboo for her so now that she's crossed that line, it's like, what's stopping her from eating humans? And then that becomes her drive. And the, the question that comes up in the movie quite a few times is, you know, what is... The movie asks in a pretty ineloquent way, like, what is the difference between raping a human and raping an ape? Something that's something that can have some amount of, you know, self-awareness. It recognizes itself in a mirror. And the movie is not a vegetarian movie. It's not a movie that demonizes the eating of meat but it's a movie that tries to break down these barriers between these these different kind of forms of excess that we have because the movie kind of throughout has this uh strong relationship with like the three biggest taboos in uh in western and european culture which is like murder and cannibalism and incest an anime yes an anime and incest yes murder cannibalism and incest Uh, yeah those would be the three the big three and it it treats them all now i mean i won't spoil anything but it it treats them all kind of with an equal weight and the movie can feel bleak and meaningless sometimes but when you're when you get on for the ride you really start to identify with this character who is driven to eat people yeah i mean I think it just goes to show you, like, this one kind of weird thing about humans is they want what they can't have, and they rebel against authority just because we value our freedom. But if you take that to the extreme, you get you get situations like that where you're sympathizing with a character who is doing things that are actually taboo and against uh, society. Yeah, because, I mean, if you look at all of... All of Western cinema and a lot of just Western media in general, going back through time, what we tend to say is 
characters begin a story with a certain set of personal and social mores, and growth happens when they transcend those mores. Like, you know, dirty dancing, like a a girl who doesn't dance and is forbidden from it and has a really, like, physically oppressive family, dances her heart out. Dances more than any human being really should. Dances more than any human being can possibly handle, thus revealing her superpower, dance stamina. Dance-a-may. Dance so, if you... Like, if you look at a lot of things that... If it is women, it's generally, you know, they come from a chaste family and, you know oppressive repressive father and all those things and then they discover themselves in college and then that just goes and goes and goes and becomes an extreme and this movie just posits what if we did that with one other behavior which is eating yeah that's that's an interesting thing to think about it's also a fantastically well-directed really well-acted it's a great great movie Uh, is it subtitled or is it in english it's subtitled Okay, just just checking, and, and it's I, uh, it's disturbing for sure. Yeah, where, where did you ha- where did you see it? It's uh, you can rent it on Vudu, YouTube, and Amazon. Interesting. It's three ninety nine. Three ninety nine for a movie. What is this? I think it's going to be streaming before too long for freezies. Well, I'll hold out and then probably not see it. Perfect. <laughs> but I uh, know it sounds interesting. You know, uh, I don't know it. movies with that sort of conceit if you think about like american psycho or something like that where it's one character indulging in something that they obviously shouldn't they're they're just interesting because they're exploring a space that society has walled off and that when we see the wall we aren't supposed to question why the wall is there and this these movies purposely tear the wall down and like you know uh, put like a magnifying glass over the hole to show like hey you know why are we just accepting that this is walled off altogether and what does that say about the other things that we wall off ourselves and i mean raw like basically like you said it made me do something that i've never done before in a movie where i'm like what what is the nature of cannibalism yeah like it, it makes you question i mean it's it's taboo for very serious, obvious reasons, but it's usually played in a way that someone who is performing an act of cannibalism in any way is like the the arch example of repulsive behavior. But if a character that is understanding and you see their arc throughout time has these urges, then you're like, what? You try to understand it. Yeah, it's kind of like the, the book Lolita in a way. Other than, like, Humbert Humbert was, like, a real creep. He was a real creep, but by the end of the book, you start to see things from his point of, of view, his perspective. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of the power of Lolita, is, other than him being a huge creep, is that since you are forced to see things as he sees them, you start to, like, you know, kind of, if not empathize with him, then kind of... You have to live in the same space as him without treating him like a villain. Yeah, because if to treat him like a villain is to, I don't know, condemn the entire book, and why are you even reading it at that point? Yeah, don't read books about villains. Unless they're well done, I don't know. Like Dracula. Yeah, Dracula's about a villain, right? Yeah, Dracula. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying, and it's like, 
anything that can question something that we take for granted, something like something as simple as you shouldn't eat other people, that's doing like that's doing some work that that's worth exploring. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I yeah. absolutely think that people should should check the movie up because I think it does a lot to uh, broaden your perspective. Yeah, and you said it was directed by Julia. Julia DeCorno. DeCarno. Okay. A female director. Yeah, female director. I think it's her first, like, debut major motion picture. That's pretty neat. And, uh, oh, also, just, uh, I I don't know who's listening to this. Do be aware that when they showed this movie in theaters at first, there were multiple incidents where, incidences where ambulances were called because people fainted or threw up. Yeah, that's all right. So don't be, you know, be careful who you watch it with. Yeah, and it it doesn't it it does not bathe in violence. It doesn't uh show you a ton of it just to be like, "Oh, look how fucking gross this is." But it it happens and the portrayal of it is very real. They don't pull any punches on the gore. No, they do not. Well, that, that I guess she like kills and eats a person. Well, You'll just have to watch the movie to find out. And you said incest, so she kills and eats her brother. Whoa. I don't know. I'm just stringing things along. Whoa. Yeah. A weird fact about... A weird fun fact about cannibalism. Oh, there aren't a lot of fun facts about it. Uh, The act of cannibalism in most places isn't technically illegal. Oh? It's the murder that's illegal. Well, I need. I know what I need to do. Find a dead body. Yeah, yeah. It's weird because like, uh, there was a Netflix show a while back called Santa 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 Clara Diet. Yeah, I think I saw that. I I watched a few episodes of it, but it's about the premise of it is this, uh, you know, California suburban housewife who's in real estate finds herself becoming a zombie uh, and she starves for human flesh but like and she she looks normal for all intents and purposes so it's just a it's just a show about a woman who's a cannibal all of a sudden i think that i think that we're entering a golden age for cannibalism that's a weird sentence john finally people can take it seriously i mean look at hannibal hannibal's i assume the show has cannibalism in it right yeah, absolutely, all the time. Because, like, that's the character. That I mean, Hannibal without cannibalism would be like Peter Pan without Neverland or something like that. Yeah, Hannibal without cannibalism would be like Moby Dick without a whale. Yeah, yeah, you can't just remove that aspect. So, yeah, maybe, maybe there's this weird thing going on right now where the the, the taboo isn't as taboo as it used to be. Uh, I don't know how. This is going to be a weird sentence. I don't know how aware you are of trends in pornography, John. Uh, very. Uh, so then you would know that incest-themed pornography is on a very noticeable uptick. Yeah, I was reading a uh, an article about how the uh, the most searched terms on pornographic websites from all 50 states, the incidents of people looking for things related to incest have grown like... 180 percent in the last three years yeah it's weird but i i think we're, we're just getting to this weird 
point in the psyche of the zeitgeist where we're trying to face our taboos for some reason? I mean, I think that uh, facing your taboos and transgressing social mores is uh, is part of self-actualization to be, like, super pretentious about it. It's like, as a collective, we're just reaching our middling teen years and we're starting to question the rules that others have, have put on us. Because, I mean, like, if you want to be really reductive about society, and I really do think that we follow this pattern, is if you don't have anything to eat or you don't have a place to sleep, you're like, man, I'm primarily interested in being able to eat and sleep. Yeah, the, I mean... The idea of this and the procurement of this entertains me to no end. Well, yeah, that that's like basic human need. Hierarchy of needs. A place to sleep and food to eat. A pretty 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 high up on the list but then as you as you get things as things are provided for you you know the human mind is geared to need things then we're like oh well uh my friend my friend's doing rather well oh well i guess i should seek to do rather well and the the seeking and attaining of this entertains me to no end yeah until we get to a point where we're doing well and then our mind is still exploring routes for us to take and we we hit up against the wall of taboo, and it's like, well, I've done everything else up to this point, so I might as well cross this line. Yeah, because if we have, uh, you know, the the internet and society as a whole giving, and granted, giving extremely wealthy people like you and me and most of the people in the United States, uh, if if we just have it giving us more and more and more, eventually we're going to be like, we've run out of things to meaningfully worry about at all times of the day, so we're going... To, like, consider, hey, what's the deal with cannibalism? Not that I want to do it, but I'm trying to understand it. Yeah, because I've never thought about cannibalism before, and I've, I've thought about everything else I've needed now, and here I am on the threshold of thinking about things I've never thought about before. And I think that as we, as a society, start to think about things that were once considered unthinkable, that we get better. How so? Just because we're now expanding our worldview to include things that we haven't thought about before i mean i think that if we if we wall certain things off in society as you know these are devilish and monstrous and anyone who uh acts on these things is an irredeemable monster i think that that is intellectually uh kind of cowardly and i think that the more that we're willing to think about these things and not engage in them if they're harmful to you know, the way of life of any person. But if we're willing to understand their existence and the mechanisms behind it, then we can think about things in addition to that. You know, if you look back, maybe look back to Ace Ventura Pet Detective, look oh, yeah? back to the to the 80s and 90s. The idea of someone being transgendered was so insane that it was a joke across the board in popular media. Yeah, I mean, Bugs Bunny used to dress in drag. And now as society becomes more generous and permissive, we are given time in our lives to think, what's what's the deal with that? What's what's happening there? What is the identity of someone for whom this is their reality? And so what you're saying is at some point, cannibals will be accepted, just like transgendered people are today. I'd say maybe cannibals will be treated treated as in like mentally uh i mean if they're going out and killing people you know lock them up and put them in rehab or whatever oh man I actually read about a serial killer who who 
consumed. Ah, uh, horrible stuff. Yeah, it's it's real it's real tough to read about because cannibalism is is no fun to think about now to be fair i absolutely don't think we're reaching a point in our society where we can start seriously trying to understand cannibals yeah because it's it's just i don't know something about it seems unnatural in a way and i mean i i think that and this is uh just to not be inflammatory this isn't me necessarily like conflating the impact on society between transgendered individuals and cannibals not at all the same thing well yeah no they're not an equal parallel but there are similarities between these two things but I'm, i'm saying that these are behaviors that are exhibited by human beings and as we become more knowledgeable and more well cared for we become more interested in why human beings would act a certain way we become more predisposed to be empathetic or at least understand where they're coming from while still, in the case of cannibalism, condemning the action itself. Because I I genuinely believe that there will come a time in society, uh, speaking of Lolita, where we as a society will nut up and try to understand pedophiles. Will we allow them to do their thing? No! No, no, but hopefully we can... Instead of, like, ruining their lives, we try to help them out from a mental standpoint and get them the treatment that they need. Yeah, and and instead of just uh, throwing it off as, this is an extremely sick behavior that exists because of the devil, which is probably something we thought less than a hundred years ago, we can now look at it and say, this is, you know, an an aberrant behavior caused by a, a certain set of variables in the human brain and we need to understand it and we need not to vilify people for whom they are a victim of something they can't control i i mean even in the bible it says hate the sin and not the sinner i think you need to remember that the people who do vile actions depend i mean the people who do vile actions are still people which means the vile actions can probably be prevented if that person is getting treated correctly, yeah, treated we, as and like mentally or what have you. Yeah, I think that you know everything uh, kind of on the spectrum is just us being more open to understanding people's individual identities. Because if someone's a cannibal or or a pedophile or uh, whatever you would call someone who is incestuous, like when people perform these things. We, we don't throw them away. We're like, what what is your reality? If, if we understand your reality, we can help you. Yeah. Uh, more importance needs to be placed on, on like mental health, mental illnesses, mental health issues. And that starts with trying to understand the person that's exhibiting the behavior and not just punishing the behavior. Yeah, because punishing behavior almost never works. Yeah, look at the, the the punitive system we have now, where we have a, a large number of repeat offenders. Yeah, we need to practice rehabilitation and not punishment. Yeah, I agree. Can you believe that we turned a conversation about peeing in a bathroom into a conversation about the uh, increasing permissiveness of society and perspectivism? Well, well, John, if you if you trace the full conversation of this episode, we went from talking about, uh, well, 
the very beginning was a lot of nonsense. <laughs> we started talking about soft drinks, which led us to the bathroom, which led us to trying to enact social change. You know, actually, that's a pretty... That's a pretty, like, standard route for a human being. You drink a soda, you go to the bathroom, and then you enact social change. <laughs> yeah, because most bathrooms are horrible places, and so to get out of the horrible place, you start thinking about, how could I make this experience better? If our podcast was a story, a being was ripped from nothingness into life, was forced to drink an inferior Coke product, had to pee... Upon leaving the bathroom, encountered a cannibal, wanted to understand the cannibal, and then change the world. And that is this episode's theme. That whole thing? That entire sentence that John just said. You know, I know that we used to get excited about two-word themes, but man. That, that is the longest theme that's, that, that there has ever been. And maybe ever will be. We'll, we'll just have to find out as we keep spinning along this, this rock we call Oith. And hey, if you're spinning on this rock with us, you know what you can do, Henry. Oh, are we going to plug our social media? <laughs> yeah! All right. If you're spinning on this rock too, you can reach out and grab our hands at zero credits as a podcast at gmail.com. Send us anything. Send us your stories of cannibal... What? Nope. Uh... Send us stories about your friend's cannibal behavior. Or just send us stories about taboos that you're, you've are you you've run up against or have been curious about, you know. And that we don't have to be like, they don't have to be the huge taboos. It could be something like just a rule that existed in your household. Yeah, it can be anything you want and we love to hear about it. Taboo, taboo. Taboo for you, f- for us. And if you want to send us your lascivious taboo missives, you can reach us at zcpcwhj on twitter.com. That stands for, of course, Henry. Zippy, cozy pattern, crimp. When hazy jockeys. That's right. When hazy jockeys come a-callin', send us your tweeters. Let us know what you think about the new Coke Zero Sugar. Hey, you know what? Hold on. I know we don't like to promise things on this podcast. What's up, John? What are we promising? When Coke Zero Sugar is available in our area, we will both test it live on mic. I think that's a great idea. We I will think that's abstain, a great idea. We will abstain from trying it until we are on mic. Look, look forward to our Coke Zero Sugar review coming sometime in August. Sometime in August. I don't want to, like, make a promise, but it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And if Coke wants to sponsor us, hey, do it. And you can reach us on Facebook by searching Zero Credits Podcast on the Facebook search fucking thing. And John posted a picture of a comic of a dog, and it's great. So check that out on our Facebook a picture of a comic of a dog. Let's do it. If you want to see a fucking dog, go to our fucking Facebook page. Like us. Comment. Poke. Send us Candy Crush. I don't give a shit. He doesn't give a darn, man. I don't give a freaking shit. And he doesn't give a, a fucking darn. I don't give a fuck. And you can find us on twitch.tv slash zero credits, where we never stream anything. We've, we never do, and... 
<laughs> Will we ever? You're hey. going to have to follow us. Hey, how about we both buy Player Unknown's Battlegrounds when it stops being popular and then we stream it when no one will fucking watch? It's actually not, it's getting less popular right now because they're introducing microtransactions when they said they never would. Oh, that's gross. Yeah, so <laughs> look forward to that Player Unknown's goddamn Battlegrounds soon. Yeah, let's, yeah, watch that, I guess. And like, comment, and subscribe, or whatever the hell you do, on iTunes. Tell your friends. Give us as many stars as you can stand. We're like an Uber driver. Less than five stars, and we're pulled off the air, so let's keep that rating high. Yeah, and also we're like an Uber driver, where if you throw up in our cars, it's no big deal. You just have to pay the the $500 fine. Yeah, pay us $500, and look, we've got spill mats, we've got bags, and we've got peppermints. Oh man, so many peppermints. They're not like the good peppermints, but come on, you're not picky. You just yeah. spent all night slugging Campari with your best friend Penguin Joe. Penguin Joe? <laughs> yeah, we go way back. I mean, you go way back. Yeah, you go way back, and, you know, you actually prefer the soft, chewy peppermints anyway. Yeah, I mean, not a lot of people do, and honestly, these ones, they taste like ozone, but it's fine. Uh, On that note, from everyone here in the Zero Credit Studios, we just wish you, excuse me, a happy time indeed. We wish you a happy national Kicking a boots off day. Kick those boots off and you just did, so it's time for you to get back to work. Party on, little doggy. And uh, from everyone here at the Zero Credits Podcast Studios, uh, we, good night, bye. Bye, later. Oh god, what the fuck happened?